0: Welcome to Life Beat, right to life of Michigan's bi weekly podcast going in depth on pro life news and issues. I'm your host, Chris Gast, RLM's Director of Communication and Education. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Today we're going to talk about our special project we announced two weeks ago on the podcast, uh, our grants that we made to four pregnancy centers in the city of Detroit. But before we get into those details, let's cover a couple of the news stories recently. First one I wanted to talk about was uh, abortion arguments. There was an interesting article in a news outlet called Vox, an online website, And they were talking about the issue of artificial wombs and how they might impact the abortion debate. So, uh, basically, uh, most of the uh, current abortion law is based on the idea of viability. And that once the child can survive on their own outside of the womb, then they uh, have a greater protection under the law. Of course, under Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton, they really have zero protection, but at least there's a sort of a fig leaf of protection they have there. And that's the basic argument uh, for abortion, is that women shouldn't have to be pregnant. So along comes the idea of an artificial womb. So what happens if a woman gets pregnant and doesn't want to be pregnant? Well, uh, the child could simply be transferred into an artificial womb, and the woman no longer has to stay pregnant. And then Based on what abortion arguments are these days, that should be the end of legalized abortion, right? Right? Uh, of course not. Of course not. As pro lifers and as even as abor- many abortion supporters deep down know, it's not really about bodily autonomy or it's not really about uh, freedom or reproductive rights re- or all that. It's about not having a baby. That's what abortion is at its core. We don't want to deal with a baby in any shape manner or form and the baby needs to die it's not thought in such frank terms always but that's really what it's all about and so this article on Vox which we uh, detail and analyze in our blog you can find our blog right off our website rtl.org the article invents a new right to abortion because obviously the old rights are kind of uh, the old arguments, would be obliterated by artificial wombs, so they have to come up with some new justification. And of course they do, because again, the justification is not... you know, When you're thinking about abortion, a person that supports abortion does not sit down and think about what is the unborn child and how should we respond to that, because it's almost natural when you do that to say, oh, well, you should be pro-life because the unborn child is a human being. The pro-life argument is simple. No, people who support abortion generally approach it from, well, I don't want to deal with a baby. How can I come up with a justification uh, that sounds palatable so I can get rid of this baby, kill this baby? And so this new right to abortion uh, that's invented in this article is the right not to be a genetic parent. Yes, apparently you have a right not to have people be related to you. I mean, I suppose it's kind of you could infer it somewhat from you know a right to abortion but but i mean really it and the and the writer treats it as if oh well this has always been a right um this new idea and so it's just a perfect this article is just a perfect way to highlight how the right to abortion is really about we don't want to deal with a baby so kill it but you can't really say that because no one wants to acknowledge the frank violence that abortion is and so they come up with some, more, uh, some other sort of justification uh, to make it sound palatable to our supposedly civilized society. Another story I wanted to talk about, not so much a news story, but throughout the summer on social media we have been giving people information about the record of Senator Debbie Stabenow where she stands on our pro-life issues. And so the most recent one that we did was, on Thursday, her view of tax-funded abortions. Basically, Senator Debbie Stabenow believes that pro-life people should be forced to pay for abortions with their tax dollars. That's her position. A very interesting way to highlight that is, uh, 1987, Debbie Stabenow was a member of the state legislature. And we banned Medicaid-funded abortions in 1987. So tax dollars in Michigan can't pay for abortions directly. And so uh, Debbie Stabenow voted against it. What's the practical effect of it? Um, Of course it was challenged and we in 1988 uh, had it passed by a vote of 57% of Michigan voters. uh, Upheld this legislative ban. Uh, We did a petition drive to originally get it enacted. After that all happened, it came into effect in 1988 And then in 1989, a year later, abortions dropped 10,000, more than 10,000 in the state. So that one piece of legislation that Debbie Stabenow posed saved 10,000 lives in a single year. If you extrapolate out to all the years since then, that could be as many as 250,000 Michiganders who are alive today. A quarter of a million lives saved by this one law. And if Debbie Stabenow had had her way... That law wouldn't be in existence, and 250,000 people who have no idea they're only alive because of this law would not be here today. And so I think that's important to point out. One other news story I wanted to cover briefly. Uh, This isn't happening in Michigan, but it's happening near Michigan, and it has a direct impact on us. So Ohio has passed their own legislation requiring greater abortion clinic regulations. And, of course, a lot of abortion clinics are closing because they are really shoddy, dirty, nasty establishments. And a lot of those establishments have been in Toledo. And so recently, Michigan abortion statistics took a little jump, and part of that was more women from Ohio were traveling to Michigan to have their abortions. Right now, there's currently only one abortion clinic open in Toledo. And this clinic is in the news because part of Ohio's law is they need to have a valid transfer agreement with a nearby hospital in case of an emergency. This is a standard practice uh, in Ohio, standard for any ambulatory surgical facility, in other words, a facility that provides outpatient surgeries, to have this. And of course, abortion clinics don't have it in A lot of cases, because not only are they shoddy, but their doctors are horrible. And a lot of hospitals don't want to give admitting privileges to their doctors, abortionists, uh, to the abortionists, because the abortionist is a horrible doctor. That's why they're doing abortions in a lot of cases. And so this Toledo clinic couldn't get a transfer agreement with the local hospital, uh, because they're a horrible clinic. And so uh, what... What were they to do? They were going to have to close. But our old friends at the University of Michigan and uh, the health system have agreed to a transfer agreement with this clinic in Toledo, even though it's almost an hour's drive away. Uh, would you really call the ambulance? Wait to have the ambulance show up and then take that woman a hundred, you know, an, an hour away at an out-of-state hospital? Um, but, you know, U of M is very supportive of abortion, unfortunately. And so they were happy to try to keep this abortion clinic in business in Toledo. And right now the court is having to ask whether that is even a legitimate uh, transfer agreement. So the um, that clinic is in court trying to stay open. And so um, there's just an interesting bit of news I saw this morning. Uh, apparently the Toledo clinic... Uh, obviously, he's not taking women who have emergencies to uh, U of M in Ann Arbor. Uh, the most recent one, Operation Rescue, which is a pro-life group, caught them loading a woman into the uh, backseat of a car and dumping her at the emergency room uh, in, in Toledo for the hospital to figure out uh, what, how the abortion clinic screwed up. And so uh, if you can count on abortion clinics to do anything, it's to, uh, to screw up. And to mislead people about just how, quote-unquote, safe those procedures are there. So we'll keep following that story. And um, if the abortion clinic in Toledo closes, in one sense it'll be bad because that'll mean more women will be coming to Michigan for abortions. But on the upside, uh, it'll probably mean that fewer women overall will have abortions. And so uh, that's a good thing. Alright, let's get into our feature of the day. Just last week, we went to the city of Detroit, and we gave out grants to four pregnancy centers in the city. So it was Tuesday, August 29th. And uh, we visited three of the centers, and uh, one of the centers operates three locations, and two of those locations got grants. So if you follow (laughs) follow that math, there's five pregnancy care centers in the city of Detroit, and we gave grants to four of them, and we visited three of them. Okay. Uh, one of them is Pregnancy Aid, and it's been in business since '74, since 1974. And so, when you hear pro-abortion people say you don't care about children after they're born, well, we were doing it since Roe v.ersus Wade was the law of the land, basically in Michigan, in Detroit. Um, pregnancy Aid is on the northeast side, uh, just across the um, border from Gross Points in the city limits, and then there is CareNet of Detroit that's on the west side and that has a sister location in uh, nearby Berkeley CareNet Berkeley and then there are three affiliated uh, centers uh, called Image of God and they have three locations and two of those locations got grants so really there's only three organizations in the city at five locations operating pregnancy help services Um, and when you look at the numbers Detroit accounts for a quarter of the state's abortions. And um, you look at all over in the state, there's more than 150 uh, pregnancy centers, adoption agencies, social service organizations that are pro-life that provide support in some way. And so Detroit really has a tiny subset of pregnancy help uh, services, but they have a quarter of the state's abortions. And that just simply isn't good enough. Now, there are a lot of pregnancy centers around the city of Detroit that women will go to. And uh, kind of what I want to talk about today is uh, you can go on our website, artel.org and get all the details about what exactly the grants paid for and uh, some pictures and the press release and uh, kind of more on why we did it overall, increasing our focus on the city of Detroit. But I just wanted to share really today some anecdotes that kind of really, I hope, give you a better picture about uh, abortion in the city of Detroit. And one of those anecdotes is uh, there are pregnancy centers outside of the city of Detroit and they do serve women from inside the city. In fact, when we were at CareNet Detroit, uh, the director, who also is the director of their facility in uh, nearby Berkeley, said that a lot of women don't want to go to their Detroit facility because there is a stigma to getting services inside the city. Their experience in the city of Detroit has been so poor that having a uh, an agency located outside of the city instantly increases its credibility. You know, that's a, just a sad commentary on the state of things in the city. That uh, women could say, well, there's a Care Net Detroit and a Care Net Berkeley. I'm going to go to the one outside of the city because I'm going to be cared for better there. Um, that's tragic and emblematic of a lot of the problems in the city of Detroit and that's something that's really important too if people understand is um, you know we've been focused on Detroit for uh, for a long time for many years but um, you know what we're doing is we clearly need to you know it's not working as well as we want it to we need to do more and so we need to do more and more and more and more Um, and uh, you know this uh, these grants are gonna go a long way to helping these organizations but it's just giving them grants isn't going to solve the problem. Uh, there's so, so many complex problems here driving the issue of abortions in the city of Detroit. And overall, the really high minority abortion rates. Black women make up 14% of the female population in the state of Michigan. They have 50.5% of the abortions. Those, that's a disparate number uh, if, if I've ever seen one. And it's never talked about. And that's really one of the key things that uh, we hope these grants, uh, besides helping these centers and the, and the women and men who go there, um, is this is really something that needs to be talked about a lot more. It's just simply not talked about. It's not talked about in the media. It's not talked about in churches. It's not talked about at, at kitchen tables around the dinner table. And it's not talked about in the city. There's this Massive problem that nobody wants to really uh, recognize, and uh, actually, if you look at the media coverage of our grants, we didn't get a lot of media coverage about it uh, because uh, you know the story had a very positive cast to it. Look, you know, we're helping; that's great. Um, that doesn't get headlines, uh, even in, in pro-life publications, uh, like saying, "Oh, the abortion rate is horrible," and and is Planned Parenthood racist? You know. Um, you know, it's such a bad problem. People just don't want to engage with it unless there's some sort of unique uh, clickbait angle to it, and and that's sad. But uh, you know, that's one of the many complex problems that needs to be addressed, and that's maybe the first problem that really needs to be addressed. So uh, at, at the CareNet uh, Detroit facility, it is a very uh, professional, spacious facility. Um, they're. Uh, <laughs> They, uh, they provide uh, clothing uh, to uh, babies after they're born um, for a certain amount of time after the birth. And it's really funny, uh, we, we took a tour of the entire facility and they were already back there and they had their Halloween and Christmas selections already <laughs> organized and ready to go soon. Um, almost like a department store, it's kind of funny. Um, but uh, they were just hoping to uh, really get the word out with the grants that they were going to get. Um, they're in a uh, the very nice office again, very spacious. Whereas Pregnancy Aid, which has been around for uh, 41 years, is um, it 41? I'm not going to do math in the middle of the podcast. They've been around since 1974. Um, but their facility is it's just very it's a very homey feeling. In Karen at Detroit, you get a very uh, this is a very like a like a, a very clean and well kept clinic. Um, you know, And when you go into pregnancy aid in Detroit, the vibe you get is this is very homey and very welcoming. In a very, very cozy building. It's an old storefront. It uh, doesn't have the space that Karen at Detroit has. Um, but very, very homey and just very welcoming. And the staff there, the staff in both locations, just very, very welcoming. And so um, those are those two experiences. But perhaps the most profound experience on me, because I was... Uh, One of the three of us, uh, four of us, going around touring these facilities as we presented the grants was the Image of God location that we um, visited. Now this is a very interesting uh, pregnancy help um, service and it's actually kind of very emblematic of a lot of of the pregnancy help uh, offices and ministries in the state. Uh, Some of them are very big and have very professional looks and have very big budgets and do a lot of great work. Uh, in some cases, especially in the more rural locations, they don't have those kind of resources, which they certainly don't in the city of Detroit. And so these locations um, are often very uh, very volunteer-oriented, they don't have a lot of uh, budgets, and it's all run on people power. And it's actually a very, uh, very heartwarming sight to behold. And that's certainly true of this Image of God Pregnancy Center we visited. So they have three locations scattered around the city, and the one we visited is on the uh, in a very Mexican neighborhood in the southwest uh, side of Detroit and it's it's in the basement of this huge huge very beautiful church and uh, it's actually the most holy redeemer church uh catholic church and uh, as i understand it, it was the largest catholic parish at one time in the entire united states And so when I say uh, church basement, I don't mean this little place where you go for juice and cookies. They had a whole second church basically downstairs. They used to have services down there along with the services upstairs. So on two separate floors, two separate services. So the pregnancy service is located in the basement of the church. And its primary clientele are Hispanics in the area. And the church, of course, is heavily Hispanic, so it makes perfect sense to have this uh, service located there. And they have, uh, despite not having a large budget and being uh, basically 100% volunteer-run, they have an ultrasound machine they can use. Uh, They give out uh, clothing. They give out diapers. They do some educational classes. Uh, Some of the grants we were giving to, they wanted to develop a website and get some more Spanish-language materials. But the volunteers who run this clinic... Uh, the two main volunteers who were there don't speak English; they can read and English and um, have you know can understand a lot of what's said. But when we were doing the presentation and interacting with them, they needed a translator and one of the uh, uh young women there, a uh, young mother herself uh, was doing the translation for us and it was it was very fascinating. Um, because uh, one of the volunteers there had a couple of things that she really wanted us uh, to address. And so we were talking with the aid of a translator, um, and she's very interesting. And one of the very interesting points she brought up is that a lot of women who are coming to their clinic are feeling very guilty over miscarriages. Now, um, miscarriages obviously involve a certain amount of uh, grief and even blame, where the where the mother and the and the father would think, is there is there something that we did? Could we have done something better to prevent this? And it's a very difficult situation. But she said it went it went way beyond that in the Hispanic community, and um, really wanted some insight and in how they could help deal with that from us. And so. Um, as she explained it, the problem is, uh, in many cases, these women are experiencing domestic violence that may have led to uh, the miscarriage, or they may have um, had exceptionally poor prenatal care, and so they're really dealing with these miscarriages from a from a guilt perspective. Even though, you know, they're not really morally culpable in any sense, um, but because of the circumstances around them, they feel. Uh, responsible for uh, several, you know, very human and very cultural reasons. And so um, just very fascinating, this organization there—it's just 100% people power. And so the, the grants that they're going to get in that case are, are definitely going to go a long way. Um, but so that's these centers, and they're in Detroit, and they're helping women, and they could use a lot more help. Again, Detroit is where a quarter of the states, uh, around 25,000 annual abortions happen um, it's about 6,000 abortions in the city every year, and right now there's just five centers taking care of them. And so uh, we don't have an affiliate there. Our affiliates around the state do a lot to help these pregnancy centers. In many cases, we just don't have an affiliate within the city limits of Detroit, even though um, you know our affiliates do help out. Um, you know, one of our longtime affiliate members is, is the one kind of setting up these Image of God Pregnancy Centers. Uh, one of our other affiliate uh, members is a, is a very committed volunteer at the Pregnancy Aid. And so, um, but we really need to kind of step up and fill the gap there. And so that's what we're doing. And hopefully these uh, grants are a small step, but an important step to building a greater relationship with these Pregnancy Centers. And so I just thought I'd close uh, by saying... Again, that's, this is a first step to increasing our focus, you know, as well. We, we have a lot of stuff in place, but we need to do more, and this was kind of a dramatic way for us to stick a flag in the ground and say, um, you know, what we're doing as a focus is not enough and we need to increase the focus more. And hopefully our goal is this will also help get people aware of the problem, um, even pro-life people around the state, and... Uh, get this issue talked about more. And so again, you can get the details on our website, rtl.org. You can find a link to our Facebook page. We took a lot of pictures of the tour. It's really interesting to see. I'd encourage you to go check it out. All right, that uh, those 20 minutes flew by. And so that's all the time we have for this edition of LifeBeat. Join us again in two weeks where we're going to give you a recap of our state conference in Kalamazoo on September 21st and give you all the details on what happened. there's still time to register, again, always go to our website, rtl.org, where you can find everything. All right, thanks for listening and have a wonderful weekend.